The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the hosts and guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of New York Presbyterian Hospital or Columbia University Irving Medical Center. You're listening to Taking It to Heart with the Columbia Valve Team, a podcast where we discuss the advancements in treatments for patients with structural heart and valve disease. I'm your host, Dr. Isaac George. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Taking It to Heart with the Columbia Structural Heart Valve Team. I'm Isaac George. I am joined here with uh, with two members of our structural team, uh, Dr. Torsten Vall and Dr. Rebecca Hahn, who uh, need no introduction, um, but I will introduce them. Uh, Torsten Vall uh, does a lot of structural work, both on the aortic, mitral, and tricuspid side. He's an expert in innovation and new devices and does a lot of work at Skirball. Um, uh, Dr. Hahn, I think most people know from her, from her name and uh, her prolific writing, but she's an expert interventionalist, uh, interventional echocardiographer, and has really kind of revolutionized how we think about tricuspid valve disease. Today, we're going to be um, reviewing new guidelines, new valve guidelines for 2020 from ACCAHA, uh, and we're going to focus on secondary MR. So there are some new things that I think we can talk about that really have uh, been in shape and evolved over really the last five to seven years. And it's the culmination of some large scale trials, some of the largest ones we've done in, in the structural world, um, which are now reflected in the guidelines. So to start um, in terms of just overall medical management, uh, Entresto was added into GDMT as uh, as one of the elements of GDMT, uh, guide, uh, Guideline Directed Medical Therapy. And they also did mention uh, management of heart failure by a heart failure cardiologist as a class one um, notation or indication. In terms of testing, the big change is now MitraClip. Obviously, we've been hearing about MitraClip. It's been FDA approved now for, for not quite a year for uh, secondary MR. But what we have are new 2A indications where we say MitraClip is reasonable in an EF less than 50% while on GDMT with an LVESD less than 70 and PA pressures less than 70. Um, mitral valve surgery uh, when doing a cabbage is 2A and that's new. It used to be doing mitral valve surgery during cabbage or AVR. Now it's just a cabbage. So they remove the AVR portion of that. So uh, that's the difference. Mitral valve surgery for an EF greater than 50 and annular dilatation. These are these isolated AF patients that we see occasionally. That's a class 2B. That's a new indication. It wasn't there before. Obviously not that supported, but 2B. Um, mitral valve surgery for EF less than 50 and class 3 to 4 symptoms is 2B. That's, a, that's new as well. And then they also stipulate that when you do mitral valve surgery, for severe MR, you should do cordial sparing MVR rather than MV repair. Um, and I do know that some surgeons still take issue with the repair versus replacement argument that we have. So I'll open the floor up. Um, thoughts, issues, concerns, what do you guys think? I mean, I, I think that, uh, you know, they've done, there are quite a few changes, obviously, 
uh, to the guidelines, but I think it's important to remember that the addition of transcatheter edge-to-edge -edge repair actually comes with a lot of uh, anatomic restrictions that you listed. Um, and, it's, and it's important for people to realize that those are indeed the entry criteria for the COAP trial. And so the guidelines are following very closely um, uh, and FDA is followed relatively closely as well, those entry criteria. So they don't want us straying outside of those criteria yet, probably in light of the fact that the MitralThar trial was, was negative, uh, didn't show a, a survival benefit. And those entry criteria were, were different and much broader. Um, so I think we do have to, uh, you know, remember that although, um, here, or transcatheter edge edge repair has made it into the guidelines. It's with a lot of anatomic uh, restrictions. Yeah, they mentioned they mentioned mitralfar here, and they they made a point to talk about it. So it's not that they didn't consider it. And that's clearly the reason why such a large randomized trial that was so well done doesn't get a class one indication, right? I mean, it's a still a two A, and I think. The question really is, what are you going to take to get a class one indication now? Are you going to have to run another trial, or how is that going to be class one, or are we good? Are we just going to keep it two A? I mean, well, I think if oh, there oh. if there will be uh, supporting evidence from from additional leaflet repair uh, trials, perhaps with other devices, then that may help to elevate to to elevate the indication to a class one indication, but. Um, I also think one one of the dilemmas that I that I see with this on on one hand, uh, we understand that that these patients should have optimized uh, medical therapy and and uh, be seen by a heart failure specialist and uh, be treated maximally maximally as you mentioned. And Tresto was was added. On the other hand, I think um, we are perhaps um, delaying and and um, delaying the treatment of the mitral regurgitation. And we may allow further remodeling of the ventricle uh, over time by not treating it early enough that, that maybe some of the benefits um, we are seeing from this therapy, we may not, we may not fully be capitalizing on. Uh, obviously, we, we would need additional uh, studies to, to look at uh, earlier, earlier intervention, but I, I think there is no question from the data that we have that patients that have less severely um, dilated ventricles with, with overall better function have potentially better outcomes. But I, I, I think you also have to remember that particularly for our site, and I know we'll talk a little bit about trial enrollment. I mean, we had difficulty enrolling in this trial because guideline-directed medical therapy actually works. And in addition, the initiation of this trial was six years prior to its completion, which mean, meant that Entresto had all of its trials showing incredible, not only survival benefit, but reduction in secondary MR in the middle of this trial and were not medications that were heavily used in the trial. So the two indication is correct. I mean, we do not have, you know, up-to-date guideline-directed medical therapy in a randomized trial against uh, transcatheter edge-to-edge -edge repair. Right, but Becky, I think we have to also a lot of the stuff, as we said, is sort of a moving target. Um, and you know, the 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 you're at, yes, the medications improve, and I think it goes to the fact that sometimes you know there's going to be judgment made, and and, and medical therapy works, but it, but also it's important. It, it, medical therapy is hard, 
you know, yes, if you do reduce salt and you limit fluid and you don't eat, uh, it, you don't go out to eat. And so she'll reduce did. salt. That's the key. Remember that. Yeah, exactly. I can't do that myself. I, I do love my potato chips, but that's, you know, we'll, we'll discuss that on another uh, web call, hopefully. And I can have my therapy session about that. But uh, no, but I, I think, and, and take four meds, that, that's hard to do. And so medical therapy may work at that point in time when you've done it. But when patients represent and have heart failure and, and these things, I, I think we have to use judgment. And there are times, and this is where it's difficult, where this is a challenging population. This is not like severe AS. This is a population that has, is much more challenging, much more difficult to understand what is the right therapy. And I think part of the challenge with all of this that we struggle with is, we always say, you know, we'll go on to mitroclip is a low risk therapy, but we do create some MS. And, and then once you do it, you can't take it away. And that's why we struggle a little bit, right? You know, what, you know is this patient better off not having a mitroclip, but having moderate MS? And I, I, I don't know. And I think, you know, some of this modeling that, uh, you know, others at, at Columbia, like, uh, you know, uh, Dan Burkoff and I was done with Harvey to look at some of this, it, I, I think we have to try and look at each individual patient um, and whether it's through modeling, looking at the hemodynamics, what the impact is gonna be. Um, you know, some patients may benefit that we're under treating, but they're clearly patients that are being treated that shouldn't be, that don't fit the criteria, haven't been on optimized medical therapy. And I think that's where that sort of heart team approach really comes in and having heart failure really weigh in. And, and at some point it's gonna be a judgment call. I mean, this is a little bit analogous to, to hypertension, right? And to renal denervation where you have trials that were, that were not necessarily positive but you still have positive effects. And so um, do, you, do you have to redo the trials? Probably not, but you have to make sure that people are as optimized as they can. And there are a lot of people that fall out of entresto therapy just for, for symptoms. Yeah. Um, no. So in all, in all honesty, I think all of these therapies fall into the bucket of heart failure therapy, right? And so they're adjuncts to each other, right? right? So I agree with you, Sushil. We frequently have patients, they're on optimal medical therapy, but they did have that potato bag of potato chips and they can't live, with, <laughs> yeah. they can't live like that. Not, not, not ever, you know, have going off their diet, not even once. And so that's where the mitral clip might benefit those patients, but, but it's, it's the ones where, you know, they, they get the clip in and then all of a sudden the doctors are dropping all their medications and they're, you know, they think that it's, it's the therapy. It's not the therapy. No, that is, yeah, absolutely. No, absolutely. Right. And you have worse outcomes if you don't follow GDMT post clip. And I think that's one of the things that you, it's, it can't substitute, even though what we're saying is that it substitutes medical therapy for compliance reasons. It's ultimately it can't. Yeah, I don't think I don't think it, we can look at it as a substitution. I think I think it's an addition, and um, uh, clearly we we not infrequently have some residual MR and 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 uh, to per, to minimize the effect of the residual MR, you need guideline uh, directed medical therapy. And I agree with Becky on that part. That sometimes we have seen patients that were. Uh, initially presenting to the clinic with severe MR, and then you put them on optimal medical therapy and they have nearly any MR. But we also see a group of patients that just sort of are pendling in and out of the hospital because they are unable to uh, maintain at home 
um, the same fluid balance that, that we are able to um, uh, get them to sometimes with IV therapy in the hospital or with short periods of inotrope support. And, and, and that category of, of patients, I think, greatly benefits from, from MitraClip for sure. Um, you know, that's the wheels are getting pushed on, on different ways too, right? I mean, we, uh, Isaac, we had that patient uh, who we all felt should have got, was on milrinone, should have gotten uh, a VAD. The patient uh, was felt either not to be a VAD candidate, and partly because the patient refused, and was not in the, uh, the criteria for COAPT, but the feeling was to, to do the clip. And the heart, we got pushed by heart failure to some extent to do it. Um, and in the end, the patient did really well, uh, came off the milrinone, did really well. But that's anecdotal, and, and you know the, the challenge here is how do we identify those patients? And it's it's not going to be in clinical trials because the clinical trials are just you know you're putting this whole mess in, right? So how do we? But identify does this proportionate disproportionate principle define some of that some of that uh, some of that differentiation or distinction? It in theory makes a lot of sense. I don't know if we're we haven't been able to study it enough, but well, I mean you know all of, all of those studies are or all of those manuscripts are all theoretical, right? I mean, this, this, this trial was not designed to test proportionate and disproportionate. And the most recent article that came out uh, by Masika Zatun using mitral FR uh, took a population of COAPT patients. So they went to mitral FR, got the COAPT criteria of patients, and they showed absolutely no difference in survival uh, using the proportionate disproportionate criteria. And so, um, nothing has been proven as far as proportionate, disproportionate. And I think the thing that disturbs me is occasionally I see case presentations where they've mapped their particular patient onto the graph um, of proportionate, disproportionate, which is so well-defined. That, that, that line of identity is for EF of 30% and, and regurgitant fraction of 50%. 50. And like, if you don't have that, then you should not be, I mean, you shouldn't be using it anyway. It's never but, been proven. But, but what about in, in construct, in theory though, right? I mean, in theory, it does make sense. Let's say you have such severe ventricular dysfunction and your degree of MR isn't really, you know, driving your heart failure symptoms. Does not, doing clip make you live longer? It may make not. you feel a little better, but it may not change your mortality is the question, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not even necessarily ventricular function. Each of those curves are different for different ventricular EFs, LVEFs. It's really EROA by ventricular volume. Volume, um, And so it's, it's you know, as it, as it gets bigger, there's some proportionate MR because you've stretched it out. And it's when it's disproportionate that you better take care of the MR. Um, but I, 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 I do love it as a theory. Um, I just want to caution everybody, understand that that's not been proven. It was never tested by any of the, of the randomized trials. But, so, so last, oh, go ahead, Torsten, and then last question. But that may, uh, again, also reflect strong differences in, in the application of heart failure specialists and optimized uh, guideline-directed therapy in Europe versus the U.S. I, I, I think, I mean, I originally trained in Germany, and I think heart failure spe specialists are just not as as available as they are here. And I think there's well, a little. Well, I, I gotta beg to differ on you in that because if you look at the medications that were used, Mitrafar used more ARNI. A, a higher percentage of patients were on ARBs. A higher percent were on Entresto. We have such 
so few patients on Entresto in our co-op trial that we can't actually do a study on, on Entresto. It's um, the salty, remember, salty when, French food. Yeah, when you <laughs> when you enter the trial in co-apt, you are asked to try and try and keep your medication stable, and therefore Entresto was not used. It, it's, All right, last question. So, more is, medications in Microfar. Is this enough data? Is this two-way indication enough data to change? MitraClip to be a comparator in TMVR trials. What do you think? I mean, I, you know, because there's not, never been a great surgical trial that's shown operating on SMR, on secondary MR, has. So, but why not just keep GDMT as, as the control? Because, because of, because you know, edge-to-edge -edge repair is better. Than I mean, medical it, therapy? Yeah. But you, in one study, but then this, these guidelines do acknowledge that there's another set of studies. But it's also about uh, what, what is the likelihood. So patients that are coming for clinical trials for replacement are looking for a therapy because they're, they're, they're not, they're symptomatic, they're not doing well, they're looking for a therapy. So in, enrollment, uh, part of it is how, what, what trial can you enroll in replacement? If you say you gotta go to medical therapy, then that patient is a good chance is a patient who's actually looking and seeking therapy is gonna go say, fine, if I got medical therapy, I'm gonna get clipped, right? Because they're looking for something because they're not doing well the way they are is the likelihood. So it, it, it is not a, an enrollable trial at this point to say, I'm gonna do replacement versus medical therapy because the medical therapy arm is gonna be so confounded by people getting treatment with microclip and it's, you know, it's a two way, you have an, you have an indication, you have an approval. Uh, right. and this is another disconnect between the indications and the recommendations to some extent, which affect kind of the other areas around us a little bit. But it's part of it, but part of it is that the same discussion I know uh, on a separate uh, podcast about the aortic uh, guidelines. You know, the, the challenge is you, you, in the end, you're still treating patients, right? And patients don't fit into exact one checkbox, right? You're not like entering data into a computer and saying this patient is this. Part of it is gonna be driven by patient compliance, patient uh, uh, willingness to do things, patients uh, eagerness to look for a therapy. So the guidelines are, are, are helpful and they help frame the conversation. It helps frame our discussion. It helps frame what we're lacking and as uh, academics and, and investigators and, and clinicians, it, it frames what data we want but it, it's not an absolute and, and an enrollable trial has to be some, you know, is gotta be the priority. You know, I, wa I wanted to bring up, you know, because it, it is apropos of perhaps enrolling in some of these trials, the fact that the guidelines for the first time recognized atrial functional mitral regurgitation, none of those patients entered in, into the trials, right? You're talking about dilated cardiomyopathic patients and, but we see a lot of atrial functional where the LV function is greater than 50%. So they should never have been in a co-op trial. Um, and they have severe mitral regurgitation just from pure annular dilatation. What do you do with those patients? Do they still get to enter into the trials? They've got whopping MR, but they've, they've not actually been in any of the, uh, of the tier trials. You know, I would argue if they're functional people, they should be getting surgery. We can do a maze, we ligate their appendage, and a ring works really, really quite well for those people. Um, and you can do a mini on them and, you know, and, and 
Obviously, right. I think uh, there's a lot of people that have so many other comorbidities that they're not surgical. But. Right. Isaac, I absolutely agree with you, but I think that takes everybody sort of looking at uh, as functional or secondary MR, whatever we're calling it, FMR or SMR, I'm not sure what we're calling it, but um, it, 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 we put it into that bucket, but that bucket is not one bucket. That, and that's sure. the key, right? That is, there's a whole different groups of patients that fall into that secondary MR functional MR and we need to different people are going to benefit from different therapies and you're right that atrial functional may do well with surgery if they don't have too many comorbidities with with because a ring will bring those leaflets together you'll get hopefully do a reasonable maze that works um, and you flag it dependent that may be reasonable but it's not true for a lot of other secondary MR and there's certainly a new focus on on shared decision making in the sense that 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 we are emphasizing that much more nowadays than we did a few years ago. And I find it challenging, right? If a, if a patient comes and they feel that they're not doing well with medical therapy alone and they're looking for a device um, uh, therapy to, 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 then, to then say, I'm trying to enroll you in a study where you potentially get replacement versus medical therapy. You're not, you're not going to convince that patient to enroll. And if, if again, um, you get a very biased uh, medical treatment arm. I think the results of those studies will also not be very useful for us. Great, yeah. All right, this is a wonderful discussion. I wanna wish everyone a happy new year and we will see you in 2021. Thank you, everyone.